1: We're going to talk a considerable amount of football with our next guest here. The man is a, a football junkie. He lives it. He eats it. He breathes it. Uh, and on the line is Odyssey NFL insider Brian Baldinger. Insider calls brought to you by Old Spice. Men have skin too. Brian Baldinger on the North Olmstead Chrysler Jeep Dodge Ram Hotline. Brian, welcome to the show.
3: Hey, what do you say, Nick? It's good to be with you, man. Everything is good on
1: my end here. Well, it's always great to hear from you. It's always great to hear things are going well for you. And I'm just... I'm curious your thoughts on – I actually want to start with what the Ravens did well in the second half because I thought defensively that was a master class in how to slow down an elite quarterback. What did the Ravens do so well? What was the changes that they made in the second half to slow down Mahomes even though it was in a losing effort?
3: Mm, well, Patrick Mahomes was – especially in the first half – Was he, he didn't hold the ball longer than a second and a half. The ball was just coming out there, attacking their zones – and they were they were happy with four yard routes that turned into six you know or seven yards, and they just stayed on schedule for those two big drives that they had. Um, they they played a lot harder. They they got a little bigger up front, so they couldn't run quite as as well as they did in the first half. And then they just played harder. They got to the football and rallied, and they tackled the catch. And there wasn't nothing after any catch, and the runs got shut down. Um, nothing really. I mean, they played some man in the first half, but they didn't really change their coverage or anything else. They, they just compressed the field a little bit better, and they just didn't give Patrick Mahomes a chance to hold the ball and do anything down the field with it.
1: Conversely, the Chiefs' defense had a hell of a day. There were some oopsies on the Baltimore side of things, in fairness, but what did the Chiefs do so well that helped bottle up Lamar on that offense to, to limit them to 10 points?
3: Well, they, you know, they, they came out and they played the big linebackers, uh, Nick Bolton, Drew Tranquil, and Leo Chanel, and they really crowded the line of scrimmage. And they said, okay, if you're going to run it, you're going to have to run it against these guys that are going to come down and knock your block off. And Baltimore, you know, they just kind of they, – they saw it. They tried it. They weren't very successful at it. They saw Spaggs, uh, C. Spagnola, line up with his corners, one-on-one with his receivers up behind that. They said, let's take our shots down the field. And they got one out of about nine all day their corners beat their wide receivers. Uh, and then they blitzed. They blitzed uh, repeatedly to apply pressure to Lamar, whether it was five-man pressures or six-man pressures. And in one case, there was uh, just a complete blitz zero, and Trent McDuffie held up just perfectly against OBJ. And so they challenged their corners, and the corners basically won the game for them.
1: Brian Baldinger on the North Homestead Chrysler Jeep Dodge Ram Hotline. Um, uh, obviously, San Francisco, there's a lot of talk about uh, Brock Purdy. I have my doubts about him, just in, in terms of comparing him to elite quarterbacks, but in terms of what you've seen out of him in this postseason, has he shown you enough that you think he can you know, really give them a chance to win with him instead of win in spite of him in the Super Bowl?
3: Well, if they win, it's going to be because of him. Um, and so they're here because of him. And I think he's a silent assassin. But like this, going up against Mahomes and Andy and, and Spags. I mean, there's going to, at the end of the day, he's going to have to make five throws that you want to put right on his resume reel. Like he's going to have to pull the trigger on, and he plays with no fear. So, but he's going to have to make five or six throws that at the end you're going to pull him out and make a highlight reel out of it. And if he makes those throws, they're going to have a chance to win the game. So they're not going to win in spite of him. Um, you're not going to be able to hide your quarterback and win this game. Your, your quarterback's going to have to perform, and he's going to have to play like he did in the second half last week.
1: Baldy, looking to uh, the other part of that uh, the, the Baltimore-Kansas City game, I do want to know, are you a fan of the taunting rules, which has become a huge conversation point this week?
3: Well, look, Zay Flowers um, catches this 51-yard catch um, and he's tackled, and it looks like the defender—I think it was McDuffie—is like he's not letting him up. Like he's got his leg and he's grabbing it, and Flowers trying to get up. And you know, and it's, it's not—he's a great kid. Like I've never seen him do anything like what he did. And um, so, at the end, he got frustrated and he spiked the ball, and they threw the flag. I, I don't really—it was just a moment, you know. It's not who he is. He's—it's not how—if you watch any game, he's. He's really a very, very good kid, and he's very disciplined. Um, but I'm not a fan of some of these rules where they just, especially when they don't throw a flag basically all game. You know, like I just, just championship game, there's going to be some emotions. You know, like if it gets out of hand, okay, you got to flag it. But I didn't think in that spot you needed to do it.
1: Insider calls brought to you by Old Spice Gentleman's Blend Body Wash, providing exfoliation plus 24-7 moisturization because men have skin too. Uh, Brian Baldinger on the North Homestead Chrysler Jeep Dodge Ram Hotline. Uh, I thought it was really cool to hear Dan Campbell talk about after the game. I, I, I kind of understood the motivation he was applying of, well, I think we could be back, but we you know it's not a guarantee we're going to be back. We could also not be back in this position next year. When you look at how the Lions are built and what they do well and their style of play and the guys they bring back, do you think the Lions are built to make it back next year?
3: Sure, but like Dan said, I mean, so many things can go wrong. Your quarterback could get hurt. You could have a rash of injuries. I've had a season one year where eight guys broke their ankles. You know, I mean, like you, you just have years like that. And sometimes you just get a wrong matchup in the playoffs and you get bounced. And so there's never like really, I think their team is really good and it's really young. And it's talented. And it's they've been drafting well for three years in a row, and it shows. But just because you have a good roster, you have young players, you have talent, you have looks like Ben Johnson will be back as his offensive coordinator, there's never any guarantees that you're going to get back. I mean, San Francisco thought they were last year. and Brock Purdy got hurt on the seventh play of the championship game, and it was over. So, you know, you have to be a little realistic that you need a little bit of luck along the way. You have to be reasonably healthy along the way. Um, before you can do it. And you need great quarterback play the way Mahomes provides the Chiefs. And it helps if you've got an experienced defensive coordinator that can mix and match with whatever you have to try to limit what you do in big games.
1: So from the Lions not taking a step back next year to the Browns, they won 11 games this year. There's a talk about how much more difficult the AFC could be next year. What do the Browns have to do to avoid taking a step back next year?
3: Well, I mean, the best player got hurt in the second game of the season. So, you know, Nick Chubb, what what condition does he return in? Um, is he 100%? Uh, and if he is, when does that happen? So That's to be number one. They played four quarterbacks this year. It would be good if they could keep a quarterback healthy and presumably Deshaun Watson and improve his play over any anything he's done since he's played in Cleveland. That would help. And then I think, look, Miles Garrett had a good probably first 12, 13 games of the season, 14. Like he wasn't dominant down the stretch. And the defensive line wasn't dominant. You know, maybe they need some uh, some young pass rushers on that group right there to to really apply pressure. Or because you can't just blitz and you just can't play man coverage. I mean, your defensive front's got to close out games for you the way Chris Jones does in Kansas City. And so I think they could use some help there. And it would be good if, I don't know how many offensive tackles they played this year, at least five. It'd be good if you could maybe, you know, get down to like maybe three, you know, just find guys that can stay healthy and play for you.
1: I believe the magic number was six. We got a Leroy Watson sighting late in the season okay. there, Brian. There you go. Yeah. I
3: about Watson. Okay.
1: He is not a Madden creative player. He is a real player as far as I All know. Right. Um, you mentioned Nick Chubb being their best player, which has historically been the truth over the last five, six years. Is it better going forward if Nick Chubb is your best player on offense, or is it better if that becomes Deshaun Watson?
3: Well, I mean, the way the game is played is probably if it becomes Deshaun Watson. Um, you know, Nick Chubb was the best back that we've seen in this league for five straight years in a row, and they won a playoff game with him. So, um, and that's not to knock Nick Chubb because the 49ers aren't where they're at without McCaffrey. So there is value in when you have great running backs, but it, it's better if your quarterback play is sterling. And you can see what happens when you get great quarterback play in the second half from Purdy, and what you've got from Mahomes over almost every single week. You get a team that advances deep into the postseason year in year out. So I would say to answer your question. Uh, it'd be better if Watson's the best player.
1: Brian, do you like the uh, fit of Ken Dorsey as the offensive coordinator hire here in Cleveland?
3: Yeah, I do. I mean, I think Kevin Stefanski probably still calls plays. I'm guessing. Um, so I don't know how much of a factor it is. Somebody's got to stand up in front of the room and install and all that kind of stuff. He's had success. Um, he was a former quarterback. He kind of knows how to talk to the quarterbacks and uh, you know really convey what needs to get done um, to your quarterback. So I don't have any problem with the hiring. He's, had, he, he's been around the league. He's He played. He, when you, w- w- I remember when he was a player, I said, boy, he's going to be a better coach than he is a player. You know, I mean, he just seemed like he had that sort of head for the game. And so I think it's a good hire, but I, I think it's going to be basically Stefanski's offense, uh, you know, and how they run it and how they play action off it and kind of route combinations and things. Uh, you know, if he brings – some new ideas to it. That That's always a good thing.
1: What I know he was only the the play caller there in Buffalo for a year and a half, but just thinking back, because you're such a film junkie, is there anything that stood out to, uh, about Ken Dorsey as a play caller just in case he does end up calling plays here in Cleveland at any point?
3: Well, I mean, he had maybe the most talented quarterback in the league in Josh Allen, so that um, yeah, it makes it a little bit easier. Uh, I, I thought that, uh, you know, they never had, they They improved the offensive line a great deal this year, but in playoff games prior, their offensive line would get beat up by Cincinnati or whoever they'd lose to. and it's just hard. it's hard to It's hard to be a good play caller if your offensive line can't hold up and isn't opening holes and they they got whipped pretty good by Cincinnati last year. Josh Allen couldn't do much with the ball. So I, you know you're you're only as good as and, and a product uh, of how good you are up front. And so I don't want to you know, bash Ken Dorsey for losing playoff games as the, as the co- offense coordinator, but quite honestly, they, they knew the offensive line wasn't very good, and they addressed it in the draft and in free agency.
1: Ryan, excellent stuff as always, man. You've been, uh, you've been such a great stalwart of us throughout football season. I am sad we only have one more football uh, game to go this season.
3: I agree. I am too. I feel the same way as, as the rest of America.
1: Baldy, gray stuff, man. Appreciate you. Okay, thanks, thanks. Thank, thank. Brian Baldinger there on the North Homestead Chrysler Jeep Dodge Ram Hotline. That was Odyssey NFL Insider Brian Baldinger. Insider calls brought to you by Old Spice. Men have skin too. So much of the Browns' discourse has is tumbled into. Well, Deshaun just has to be healthy, and there is a there's an there's, there's a fair element to that, right? Like it's it's tough to imagine. I think the toughest thing to repeat from this last year. Is having to juggle quarterbacks and having to try and find the right veteran quarterback at the right moment. Like that, that's the element of this year that I think was fluke.
0: Tune in is the audio platform with something for everyone. News. In order to secure convictions in a court of law, it is essential that we conclusively. Sports.
1: The clock at four. Donchich. The step back three. You bet. Music. You said my word
2: You deserve this rich golden lager with a crisp but refreshing taste. Or if you overcame,
3: two more two more.
2: You deserve this ice cold reward. Medellin, the Markable Fighter. Drink responsibly, beer imported by Crown Port, Chicago, Illinois.
1: I don't think the defensive success was. I don't think some of the offensive success that they had with either Deshaun or Joe Flacco was, um, was in any way flukish. But I think I I think there's a lot to be said, as much as and I know I've I've hammered uh, a lot uh, the idea of because uh, it's early in the off season right like we like we're just making it the Senior Bowl week that's going to kind of be the big thing this weekend with the Pro Bowl games which don't really matter but some people are going to watch because it's football and that's what we do in this country. However, I I, I I'm back. All right, I blacked out for a second. I'm back, but. I think defensive end goes into this offseason as your your big need. And and listen, Okoronkwo being healthy next year will be big for you. You've got Elijah McGuire. You've got uh, Alex Wright, who took a step forward. But, you know, it's funny. I I think the Browns could have a chance that if they if they maybe have already made a decision on extending a, a player like Greg Newsom. I don't think it's the most outlandish thing that if the Browns really wanted to, there's enough need for cornerbacks in the NFL that if you wanted to, if you decided you're not going to pay Greg Newsom with two years of control left, I think there's a possibility you could get a first-round pick. It'd be a late first-round pick, but if you wanted to, I think you could make that happen. Um, I don't know that they will. I'm just saying, like that's a possibility. I also wonder a guy like Jed if you go into this and say well we don't want to take the cap hit on um on Jack Conklin and we think Dewan can play left tackle so let's see if there's a market out there for Jed I don't know it's a first round pick but guys he's a top 10 draft pick that is going to be relatively affordable on a fifth year option that the Browns have already paid a good amount of that or will have already paid a lot of that money. The Browns will be on the hook for that. So maybe that's another opportunity. I don't know if that's a first-round pick, but maybe a second or third-round pick for Jed Wills. I think a guy like Wyatt Teller, if you decide you have to choose between your guards, I would rather, if I have to choose between Betonio and Teller, I would rather keep Wyatt because I think he's got five to six years, really good years left in the NFL at least. But, like, Wyatt Teller would have significant value. And I'm saying all of this to say that the reason why I'm bringing it up is if you got into the first round, if you were to turn Greg Newsom into the 25th pick, and, yes, I have been on the pro football focus draft simulator where I have traded Greg Newsome for the 25th pick and Jaden Reed, one of their wide receivers of Green Bay. I'm just saying I made it happen on a simulator. No big deal. But... Uh, the guy I'd be looking for is a edge rusher, or honestly, one of the young defensive linemen. Like it's funny, man. We we talk a lot about Chris Jones, how great he's been in Kansas City. Uh, he was taken, I think, a pick or two after Emmanuel Ogba in the early second round. So that late first round area is where you can find potential future superstars at the defensive tackle, interior pass rush situation. I don't know that the Browns are going to go down down that road, but I think when it comes back to making sure that this year was not a one-off, the next year you're not going to be a nine-win team and fighting for the playoffs, you can't really do anything about Deshaun's health. What you can do is how do we build around Deshaun and how do we build the defense? And I think the most important thing to get another – upper echelon player at an impact player is somebody next to miles two one six four seven four double o nine two. sal welcome to the show sal what you got for us
3: hey nick I, I i love your show but i i think you're a little crazy to think you can get a first round pick for greg newsom i mean the carolina got a second and a four for christian mccaffrey I mean, and they had, and that was with two years' control as well. Uh,
1: starting, uh, hey, real guy, quick, Sal, a, a starting yeah. cornerback with two years' control is going to have a lot more value than than a running back.
3: He's a slot cornerback.
1: Yeah, I, that every doesn't time, that doesn't time, really matter every time anymore.
3: Ward's, every time Ward is hurt and they put him on the outside, he gets burned every time. Every time he's a good slot cornerback. He's a good slot guy. He is not a one-on-one corner. He's not. And you're not going to get that confidence for him.
1: And Sal, I'll I'll actually be honest with you. I think most of the NFL would disagree with you on that. Now, you and I have seen Greg with some of those struggles on the outside, but Greg thinks he's an outside corner, and I think the rest of the NFL thinks he's an outside corner. If he was just a slot corner, if he was just a slot corner, he would not have been a top 32 pick. Okay,
3: he got beat out by a third-round pick.
1: I don't think he got beat out. I think MJ and him are interchangeable pieces.
3: He, he got beat out. He got. If he wasn't interchangeable, he would play on the outside. Well, no, but well,
1: when, I, when I say interchangeable, one of those guys can actually slide to the nickel or to the dime, and that the other guy's MJ Emerson. Like, Greg in some ways does get penal, and penalized. I hate that. But Greg's versatility in that situation makes him easy to push to a nickel situation, and MJ d- does not. M- MJ should not be playing on the inside at all.
3: You wouldn't get you wouldn't get more than a fourth round pick for him. I guarantee it. I
1: I, think, I understand why that's the perception coming off the, um the the playoff game. And I thank you for the call, Sal. But I think you'd be surprised. I I look at look at guys who haven't been good. Like guys, yeah, Greg was really rough. And by the way, it wasn't just Greg. MJ Emerson was really rough. It I think that had a lot more to do in the playoff game about soft coverage. And those guys giving five to seven yards to every Texans wide receiver, including Nico Collins. I don't think Denzel Ward looked great. You know why? Because the 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 space they were giving up in coverage was astronomical. I still don't know why that happened. But I understand why Browns fans are down on Greg Newsom. I would imagine people who watch the tape on Greg Newsom, and again, I don't know he could get a number one pick. I guarantee you'd get at least a second-round pick for Greg Newsom, like a high second-round pick. Zar, welcome to the show, Zar. What you got? What's going on? Not much, buddy. What so, you got for
3: me? Uh, okay, we're, talk- we're talking about moving DeJuan Jones over to left tackle.
1: Yeah.
3: Uh, no, Wills isn't it- his natural position is right tackle. Chances are, Conklin, for how many injuries he's had, chances are he's probably not coming back. So, wouldn't they just bump Wills over there to be right tackle?
1: Um, I don't know. Um, I, I honestly, I don't know that they would even give Dewan the chance at left tackle. I just think, so I think the Browns are going to have to get creative because they have three starting tackles. And I think the contract that they gave Jack Conklin two years ago or a year ago, actually makes it really tough to just cut him. Even though the injuries are a hundred percent a valid conversation. Whereas well, I'm not, I'm whereas not saying
3: with, cut him, but if if just say, hey, I can't come back, so I call it quits.
1: Oh, uh, I, I, I listen. That could happen. Like you never know when guys get over thirty. You never know. I would be shocked if he signed that contract with the idea that he wasn't going to try and make as much money. Given that offensive linemen, you know, it's you have a you have a short shelf life in the NFL as it is. But I think, like, I, I think you could look at Jack and say he could hypothetically be here for the next two three years. Whereas at some point you have to pay Jed and, and I, I, it was almost like you take a one year cap hit to move on from Jed. If you get good value for him and then you don't have to take what could be a two to three year cap hit for Jack.
3: Right. Yeah. My, 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 just my take on it was just that I, I I believe his natural position is right tackle and the guy that we have there. Who normally would play there is highly questionable. So it just seems like a no-brainer. Just go ahead and move him back where he belongs.
1: Czar, good stuff, buddy. Appreciate you. Sure. I I hope we didn't steal the uh, the morning show bit of getting into the nits and grits there. About uh, that was some that was some hardcore football there. I think there's a lot of fascination at, at both spots we just talked about with the Browns moving forward, and that is the cornerback spot and how you position yourself long term with all three corners. Because I mean, even Denzel had multiple injuries this year, and then there's you know how do you position yourself at tackle? I would be very surprised if Conklin, Jed, and Dewan were all on the roster together, come September. That's just I because I, the the logical thing would be the money would push Dewan to the bench. And maybe I'm wrong. Maybe maybe they don't feel the same way. I think Dewan Jones has a chance to be a monster. And when you have that kind of talent on a rookie contract, um, I mean, as long as Dewan stays healthy and in shape, and those are big questions. I mean, Dewan did not come into to camp in the best shape. But as long as he can stay healthy and stay in shape, I think Dewan Jones could do what Orlando Brown has done and take himself and, and and really give himself a 10-year career. That is a big, strong – like, I want to see more of of Dewan Jones. So it's almost like I don't care who it's at the expense of. I think financially it probably makes more sense to move on from Jed this offseason than does Conklin, but, again, the Browns might not agree with that.
0: TuneIn is the audio platform with something for everyone.